F1 car reveals, MotoGP testing, and more on this episode of the Racing Line podcast. It's episode 20. This is our 20th episode. Yep. That's a little milestone right there. Yep. Episode 20 of the Racing Line podcast, boys. We've made it to 20. Let's see if we can now make it to 50, but still Michael a pre hasn't. No, Michael hasn't. <laughs> Definitely not. He was needed to have a shower and needed to have some dinner. So we've relieved him of his duties tonight. So men, another preseason special. How is our week before we crack into it? It's been good, man. All right. Yours? Yeah, not bad. Can't complain. That's a few good. little things to talk about. So for those of you that might be listening, as I just um, alluded to before, we're still in the preseason. Things are starting to heat up ever so slightly this week. Um, we had a few Formula One livery reveals that we're going to talk about um, over the coming pod. Uh, we've got a little bit of Formula, of Formula One, of MotoGP testing that's taken place uh, firstly in Malaysia and then in Indonesia uh, that we can um, have a little bit of a discussion about. And we've um, sponsored our first event as a podcast um, at the grassroots roots level in karting. And we'll have a little bit of a, uh, a story time about that as well. So there's a few things to talk about tonight, um, even though it's a preseason. And let's just jump straight into it, boys. Formula One is back at least aesthetically for 2022. Uh, we've had four reveals, Haas, Red Bull, Aston Martin, and McLaren. Some underwhelming, some right on par, and some definitely overwhelming. What are your takeaways from um, the 2022 car reveals up to this point? Should we start with Haas? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that the deliveries themselves whatever you think about them i think that the actual um like the shape of each car like the start the change in in uh direction that the the group has gone for is definitely a big plus i think they all look aggressive and and and, and sleek and clean all at the same time um like so the shape big, of the car yeah just like the overall shape that we're getting out of like these new cars i think is a is a big win for the sport um I mean, I hope like then you want it to be able to do what they want them to do in terms of the um, ground effect underneath and then being able to follow. But in terms of just the look, I think they look like pretty, pretty good. I'm really, really happy about the change in look. What are you, H? What was your um, initial foot? Yeah, look, I, I like the look. As I said to you guys before the pod, I don't, I'm not a fan of, the wing being so high off the ground, it just looks odd to me. The whole car is planted and you come to the front and I understand that it's there for aerodynamic reasons, but it just, I don't know, it doesn't look right to me. But I think um, it's hard to tell at this point because I don't think, you know, we've got one real car in the Aston, but I don't think the other three teams that have released so far have actually released their final car. I think there's a lot more to come from those three um, constructors. You know, it's interesting, right? And I, was, I, I said this on one of our other chats during the week, so just jumping back to Haas a little bit, right? Yeah. What I don't understand, and maybe it's just, I don't know, the fact that we're design teachers or we think about that kind of stuff, right? But Haas have been underwhelming really for the last couple of years. 
just because you're you're underwhelming, you know, practically and functionally doesn't mean you have to be underwhelming aesthetically. But I always find that you've got these really ordinary cars or ordinary teams, and they have really ordinary designs for their cars. And I think Haas is an example of that. There is really nothing about the car that that excites me. It's a a very flag. It's it is, but it's just a very boring design. And I'm like, come on, man! Like, I know that branding is huge in Formula One. I get that, but that doesn't mean that you you can't design something that looks good, even if it's not particularly fast. And we don't even know if it's fast yet. So that was my initial thought with the Haas car. I'm like, mm, a little bit underwhelming. Um, to touch on what Joseph said as well, I think if we're going to talk about congratulating the F1 teams for designing good cars. I, you know, I think the real vision has to go to the F1 strategy team, particularly um, Ross Braun. I mean, they spend a lot of time working on, you know, developing the formula that all these teams had to meet. Um, and it, it's, it was a very different formula. Um, a lot of work went into developing a formula that would actually bring about good racing on the TV. And I think it's probably fairly realistic to say that um, the effort that went into this for formula in particular um, had a lot more to do with TV optics than probably any time in, in you know, F1's history, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So if we're going to talk about um, giving credit to anyone, I think a lot of it has to go to, to the strategy group. Um, and then lastly, on what you said, H, I kind of am a little bit with you, man, with the front wing. It is sitting a little bit high off the ground. Um, and I don't know if that's just because they can't have like the drop down um, tabs before they put the front wing anymore or whatever it might be. But it, it will take a little bit of time to get used to. Um, but in saying that, it's probably not as dramatic a shift as something like the halo. And we got used to that pretty quickly, too. So I don't know definitely a new time in formula one um what about red bull Re didn't really show us anything well i love the livery like that that livery is mm. going to be iconic if we look back in 10 15 years time we're going to look at that the same way we look at the the marlboro mclaren like i think it's just going to be one of those things that it's going to be iconic the, the only thing livery I in general yeah like even in like in Seb's era, they had the the lighter blue, mm, which I really yeah. liked. But then they've since twenty fifteen or whatever it was, they've moved to this dark blue, the matte finish. Oh, mm. I absolutely love it. I think it's awesome, mm. and it really does let the um, the yellow and red of the of mm. the Red Bull stand out a lot. But you know, the interesting thing for me is going to be when we do actually see the car in action, because I mean, you can't really see a whole lot. That's like not, there's a lot of shadow. Not. It's that's just a dummy car. car. Yeah, it's just that, a dummy car. I think that's the one that Formula One have been using, mate. I think they just purchased the chassis of Formula One, to be honest. Oh, did they? That's what I've read. Yeah, they've a lot of the teams have just kind of used the base chassis that Formula One for the for the unveiling of the car. I didn't know that they just bought it off um off Formula One, but that does make a bit of sense. Because um, it looks exactly the same. Well, it's, it is a nice car. It doesn't give us anything to run off of. But when we talk about someone like Aston Martin, who has released their car, they've released videos of the testing of their car as well. Um, 
I think it's a it's a really nice car to be frank. I think I like the color of it. I like how they've incorporated the green, but also the yellow, so it becomes yeah. a little bit more. Um, I, I see yeah, yeah. But it, a little bit more in line with all of the other um, cars as, as as well, or the other racing as well that's within their within their current, you know, racing that's stable. Their, I think that's they lost only racing. They lost um, BWT to Alpine. I think that's why mm. the pink's gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably done them a favour, to be honest with you. Mm. The only thing that's really, I don't know if it's unsettling me or that I'm, it's going to take a little bit of time for me to get used to is the wheel covers, I really think. I, I, I mean, I was hoping that with the 18-inch um, rims and particularly with the concept art that was coming out from it last year and the larger you know, spokes on the rims that there would be quite a, you know, um, like a sleek design to that. But just if the wheel covers, I feel like it makes it almost a little bit too toyish. Um, that's probably just a little bit of, of think, getting used to as well. I think they'll develop that pretty quickly. I don't, think it'll go the... I, I don't think it'll stay like that, to be honest. Problem is it's too aerodynamic for them not to do it. Like mm. it's too aerodynamic for them to have something like that as opposed to, going back to the rooms so i don't know what, who knows might, might only have it for a year and then f1 will ban it yeah. because of the the look of it but. what did you guys think of the uh, aston the, the vents on the top no um, I, I didn't really notice them to be honest with you yeah but like the three vents like the no if you look at if you look at the top view of the aston there's about mm. oh, six vents on either side of the of the driver um apparently they're there to help cool the radiator and cool the engine. Um, so they've, they've sort of made a, a workaround for having a, a ground effect car. So the air's going underneath, but they've kind of... Oh, I see it now and I can see it on the top of the side mm. ones. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. So they're, they're, and that's why we're, that's the only car that we know that we've gotten a, a legit one um, because of that, yeah. you know, design aspect. You know, McLaren's brought out theirs with the, um, the pull rod, push rod suspension. Mm. The interesting thing about the McLaren, I was actually looking at it in a little bit more detail today, mm. and there's a, there's a, a little bit of obviously you can see some of of the of the design which is good, but there's also like when you're looking from the front view and you're looking underneath the car, all of that has been made like very blurry and very simplified, and then even the um, at the bottom of the car where they've got the um, venturi or the entry points to the to the um, venturi chamber underneath the car that has been um de-resed that like section of the photo has been de-resed quite a lot just to hide some information there so they've kind of presented you know the, the shape of the car but i think all the performance aspects of the car they haven't really like shown a whole lot because it's still very um de-resed in some in some respects but it's a striking livery i'll say that it's a very uh, you can't miss it with the day glow orange and the and the and the blue that they've used. Quite quite nice. One like thing it. you just said that I haven't thought about at all is that it's going to be very hard for teams to copy each other's um, ideas on the under side of the car, like they put on top of the car, because you can't actually see it. Whereas mm. before you could, you know, just take a peek and look at some footage, and you can oh, you could see that you could literally replicate a Mercedes in some teams. What they need um, to do as a team is sacrifice the car that they want to see underneath, go to Monza to the first corner, and then just pinch into that first corner so that you can get 
the car yeah. beside you raised and then you can see underneath yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what you said about the McLaren, I'm not a massive I'm not a massive fan of this McLaren livery. I've liked I've liked all of them with the um since I've gone to the orange until this one. I just I told I think I said it in the chat. I said I think it looks like one of the, the generic um online liveries from the F1 game. Like I just I don't I think there's too much going on to be honest. Um I mean it might grow on me, that's for sure. But as of now, I I, I was telling my brother I'd give it maybe a six out of ten. Um and I know you, you know guys both disagree with that. Do you know what the right. issue with um, when McLaren release liveries in general and why they don't look so good when they release though is because they mm. always release on a white background their concept or their their release pictures, but everyone else always releases like with studio backgrounds room. and stuff like that. So it always Maybe just stands right. out. But then once you see it in the flesh, I find particularly like the like I feel like historically I'm always a little bit underwhelmed by the car that, by the livery of the McLaren. And then once I see it in real life, I'm like, actually, that looks a, a lot better. And it's pretty similar to what happened with the Williams, I thought, last year, which looked horrible in its release photos, but then ended it up being horrible. quite it a nice... horrible all year, mate. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I, I didn't rate that no, at all. I didn't, I didn't mind it, to be honest with you, by the, um, by the end of the year, if I'm being no. frank. No, you yeah. weren't a fan at all? No. No, I got used enough. to it, but I was never a fan of it. I think I've got it on the on F1 2021 as a... As a livery, you can pick, mate. <laughs> so, so what have we got coming up now with the liveries? We've still got, I think, Alpha Tower coming out. Alpha Tower is tonight. Yeah. Or tomorrow morning. Is Williams um, tonight or tomorrow morning as well? Um, I'll let you know in two seconds. So, sorry, guys. Um, all right. So we have Alpha Tower. Williams is tomorrow, so the fifteenth. Yeah. For Ferrari's on the seventeenth. Eighteenth is Mercedes. And then underwhelmingly we finish off with Alpine on the twenty first and Alpha on the twenty seventh. How much hotter would these bloody cars look with eighteen inch spokes? Yeah, what are you doing, bro? Now now you're gonna stuff up our <laughs> YouTube stream. No, it won't because you you'll still just have the what's it called. This is just a share screen. Are you you sure? don't have to use this. Yeah, that's fine. Um what are you? It looks so much better with the spiked rims. Yeah, but that livery just looks awesome too. I think that helps as well. Mm, no, it does. Also, the way that they the put the that rear that rear. Um, nah, I don't know. It, it it'll be interesting to see the first test in Bahrain. That's that's what I'm waiting for. You know, we can debate these. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. We can debate these designs all day long but we at the end of the day nothing eh? even um james key at mclaren said you know they've taken a big punt on the suspension setup on the on the mclaren Mm. he go and he said um i was watching the whole launch the other day and he said we've either designed something that's going to take us to the top or it's going to be absolutely horrible so really um yeah like they don't know and he's been he said he's been working in formula one for 25 years and this is the biggest rule change that he's ever yeah, it's come across, so it's, yeah, revolutionary. Usually, it's just you know, slight progression. Even the start of the tur- even the start of the turbo hybrid wasn't this big, so That's it's a um, whole new aerodynamic concept. I'm excited well, though. I can't wait. I I think that that it's again like we're talking about liveries, and it doesn't really mean a whole lot at the end of the day. What's going to start meaning things is when we see the timing sheets, hopefully in a month or so. Um, 
but at least it does give us something to talk about. It does start building a little bit of anticipation for it. But another thing that we can start um, generating some anticipation towards is um, MotoGP. So unlike yeah. um, F1 testing that's going to be behind closed doors uh, to begin with, MotoGP has been, I mean, I was watching it on Foxtel today. Um, you could watch the test on Foxtel. Uh, and it was like it was a, a race weekend kind of broadcast, which was really cool to see. Um, two tests so far. They've tested in Sepang. They've tested in Indonesia. Both tests have been somewhat um, affected by the weather. But I'll start with you, Joey. You've had a chance to have a look at um, some of the times and some of the trends. And, and what are your initial thoughts on, on where the 2022 season is stacking up? Lumpy backing off the experts when I when I say what I'm going to say. That's right. Um, so pretty much they, they they were first they were they had tested at Sepang for the first uh, couple of days and they also had um, the shakedowns uh, a couple of days before that as well. And what we what they saw pretty much from Sepang was that um, well. The the la, uh, 2021 Ducati set the fastest time, which is no surprise. Mm. Um, that bike was the, was by far the best bike at the end of last year, and it came into the test um, at the hands of. Um, oh, now I'm getting I'm having a mind blank. Um, Bastianini. Bastianini, and he set the fastest lap ever at Sepang on it, and um, even and um, even. The other fella on the old bike, uh, the new guy at the Jorge VR46. No, no, VR46. Oh, um, Marini, Luca Marini. No, no, Bezeki. Bezeki also was in the top five on last year's um, 2021 Desma Zadici. So um, what we can see is that at the moment, that none of the new bikes are at the level that last year's Ducati was at in terms of uh, pace around Sepang. But also, well, I was we, looking. We do know, keep going. I was looking at the fifth, like the last day of running, which was a dry day. Obviously, yeah. Bastianini was at the top. 0. 0.02 of a second behind him was Espargaro on the Aprilia, which was pretty impressive. Uh, and then, in the top five as well, there was uh, Maverick Vinales at tenth off. So there were two Aprilias yeah. at the top. There was a uh, Martin on the 2022. Desmo and Alex Rins on the new Suzuki. So um, that's a pretty interesting top five. Bagnaia was in the top six, Quateraro seventh, and then Marquez um, in eighth. So well, what, we know a... from, what we know is that the, the, um, the two Aprilia riders were able to, to um, run the shakedown test as well for their bike mm. because that, that's, that's their, um, they've got the, that leeway because they haven't won a race yet. Uh, so you would expect them to have, to be a little bit more up to pace uh, with their new bike, and apparently their bike is quite um, drastically different from last year, which is going to be very interesting for the um, rest of the competition if they're already showing that that much pace. And then also we saw, yeah, what like you said, uh, Jorge Martin uh, at towards the top uh, on the new Ducati, but they were having a lot of especially the factory bikes are having a lot of setup problems. Like there's a few, I think Jack Miller went out twice and had 
um, uh, engine and electrical gremlin stopping on two different runs. And yeah, he even, wasn't happy, was he, this week, Jack Miller? Oh, uh, not on not at, on the first weekend, the first I think day on, or two days at Sepang. Um, and even um, oh, I'm having mind blanks of all the names now. His teammate also had the same, uh, similar problems, and um, Zarko also had similar problems. So there was a few gremlins that, that Ducati in general was working out. But I suppose when you've got five bikes going around, you're gonna you're gonna uh, fix up these gremlins a lot quicker than if you've got two. So yeah. um, you know, like that's probably one of the biggest um, positives of of the amount of bikes that they've got circulating. And then Honda also had a really good showing. They had um, Honda had two of the t- uh, three riders who did the most laps in the test um, at Sepang. So you can see that they were just getting um, a lot, as much mileage as they could on that new bike, uh, which is, as many people have said, including Mark Marquez, probably the biggest change in philosophy in the last 10 years for Honda, making it more rideable for their whole stable, not just Mark Marquez. And um, we I was saw- listening. Sorry, I was reading some of his comments about the test today and the comments were something like, to obviously grab the headlines, I was saying something like, um, Marquez doesn't feel like the special place with his bike yet. Um, yeah. But then what he was also saying about the bike was it was good that every time they were making changes to the bike, it doesn't matter what it was, it doesn't matter if it was on the hard tyre or the soft tyre, all the changes that they were making, um, the lap time was improving, even if they weren't particularly sure if the, that change was going to make a difference. So we're saying that the rideability of the bike and just the general, uh, you know, workability, ergonomics, whatever you want to call it, um, is allowing them to, to feel comfortable with the pace of the bike, even if they're not, you know, riding it at that, you know, 110% to maximize the lap. So in that regard, even though he, um, himself hasn't said that he's kind of at the point where he's won with his bike. Um, They're very happy with, you know, how easy it is to get the bike into a window to actually improve its lap time, which I thought was good, particularly considering it's again, a completely different concept to what they've had. Um, And, you know, I mean, you always would back Honda to, you know, do their due diligence so that the bike that they do bring out is going to be effective. But I guess you never know, particularly when you're trying to make, such a quantum leap to catch up to teams like Ducati um, and um, Yamaha that were really so much, you know, so much more competitive than them last year. Well, that's it. That's it's interesting you say that because the Yamaha riders are un- underwhelmed, I'd use the word, with mm. the um, advancements on that new bike. And um, even I think they said to Quadraro, they said, um, have, have, has the bike made a step forward? And he said, oh, and he gave him a wink and said, I think maybe you could say half a step. And when you, when you look at him coming into a, a contract year where he's off contract at the end of the year, they're not the comments you really want to be hearing from your number one rider. And yes, that was the bike that won the, the championship last year. But as we saw towards the end of last year, that bike does have its limits and you do not want to be going up against a Honda, a Ducati and by all accounts, the new Suzuki, which has also made um, really good steps forward uh, in the way that um, Johan Mir wants the bike to sort of head. They've got, got it some 
better top speed, a bit of better acceleration. And we've also seen a, a really um, interesting new front fairing with, with um, like a new downforce setup that looks like it's been lightly modeled off a of Ducati. Um, but yeah, so we're seeing all these teams taking, you know, steps forward, but Yamaha seemed to sort of just be sitting where they were at the end of last year. And it was, it was really um, probably disheartening seeing what three of their four bikes in the bottom from like 17th and down mm. um, in the testing at Sepang. And they've been a lot, they, they, they seem to have gotten been closer up the timesheets at um, Mandalika. But uh, so I was having an interesting thought about Yamaha this week, right? So um, they let Vinales go, um, you know, pretty easily because they it was pretty obvious that they were putting all their effort into to Quadraro and you know having him as their number one rider, and they they're able to make that decision. That's you know right, you know. They, they have the ability to do that, but they've got a bike that is um, not as competitive as they thought by all accounts as early on. Um, there's whispers that Quadraro is in talks with Ducati um, and is considering a move away from the Yamaha team. Where does that leave Yamaha? And we, we've spoken about this last year as well, that Yamaha is probably, for as good a team they are, they're struggling a little bit with young rider talent right now. Where does that potentially leave Yamaha? And with the Aprilia looking as good as it is, I mean, early on, I mean, if we just look at the Indonesia as well, where were they? Aprilia were third in Indonesia with um, Alicia Spargo and then Vinales was seventh. Um, and he was in seventh. He was four tenths off um, Polo Spargo in the Honda. So the Yamaha, the Aprilia is looking quite good um, at this stage. So he might have got the better end of the stick, to be honest with you. And, and Yamaha could find themselves in a little bit of a pickle if they can't convince their world champion to stay on board for the next couple of years. Well, it's going to be interesting with um with Quattararo because, yeah, he's talking to Ducati, but there, it doesn't really look like there's much room to move in Ducati, to be honest. Um, I mean, Jack Miller's going to, going to, he's going to have to have a really good year to keep his spot, I'd say. Um, but there are so many, like, would you put Quattararo on the bike if um, Bastianini has another amazing, uh, season like he ended last year? I'd probably say not. Or if Jorge Martin has a better season than last year, I'd probably say not as well. As, um, as a team, I don't, I don't know much about MotoGP, but would you have Quattararo and Bagnaia on the same bike? Like, is yeah. that two, two big dogs together? Riders, yeah, you yeah. probably just want the two best riders these days. Um, I mean, you know what's interesting? Um, I think you just brought up Jack Miller. I think his early season, so I think the first six six races could be very telling for Jack because let's say the Yamaha isn't performing as well as it should be. I mean, um, Mark Marquez will be back. The, the rest of the field looks to be more competitive. Let's say that... Um, the Yamaha is mired in that bottom part of the top five, top, you know, between five and 10, and they're not as competitive as they would have expected. Um, and Jack Miller's having an ordinary time and um, the Ducati factory team are kind of losing a bit of patience with him. I think it's very reasonable for them to say, um, Quattararo, you know, come join us. He's 
your box of cash or whatever you want um, and to find somewhere else for Miller or to, or to say, you know, find another seat. Well, interesting you say that. I, I suppose any, if Quadraro's season is, or if he's, if he keeps this sort of attitude up and he, and he decides that he wants to leave, I wouldn't be surprised if a rider of Jack Miller's quality went onto the market. Yamaha would have no option but to snap him up because they've got no one lined up in their um, junior ranks at all. Um, and you'd say they have got no one on their satellite bikes either who would, who's shown um, enough potential at the moment to take that step up. So they might would they might just need uh, someone like that to get on the bike anyway. I mean, we, the speculation games are hard to play when we haven't seen one lap in Angie yet. And um, Jack hasn't been that bad in practice in practice at all, to be honest. Like, it's weird. You can't really tell much at the moment because pe- some people are doing flyers. I mean, Jack didn't even get one heater lap in. In Sepang, his two heater laps were both marred with electrical gremlins. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to read into that. And now they're at a new track that, by all accounts, is filthy because it hasn't been used since the last... Um, well, Superback race last year. So, I mean, what what I was mainly looking for in uh, from testing was was uh, rider comments about how they feel about the bike, uh, numbers of laps done, and then also I just wanted to get a feeling of what the teams were actually there trying to achieve. So, like we we saw um, another team, KTM, went to Sepang and were literally just throwing. To- uh, totally different parts onto all their, onto their two uh, factory bikes. And then we saw uh, Fernandez and Gardner just put, you know, just putting in the time to get used to riding a, a MotoGP bike and, and, and Gardner is still struggling with those broken wrists. And even yesterday, Fernandez got taken off school after a big, a big crash for him as well. So they both look like they might be carrying a bit of battle damage when we get to the first round. Um, but I suppose better, better um, now than in, in during the season yeah uh, and then i think which uh, did i touch on suzuki uh, a little bit not really but i think so i'll just quickly tell you where they finished up on both days so at the end of sepang uh, alex rins finished fourth um on the new gsxrr uh just at 1.3 uh, 0.13 tenths off the pace and then me finished in 12th, almost four tenths of the pace. And then in the most recent test that um, in, in Indonesia, where were the two Suzuki's? Rins in sixth, four tenths of the pace. And then me didn't set a time. So there you go. So what they were, so what they were saying from Sepang or what? When um, Mir rocked up at Sepang, he was asked by a few journalists about how he thought the the season would go or did he have any thoughts on the new bike? And he said pretty sort of half-heartedly, we'll see, we'll see how it feels and if they've um, addressed the problems that, you know, we, we had um, outlined at the end of last year. Mm. And um, pretty much by the end of that test, he was he was really happy with with just the the places where the bike had improved. And one thing we know about Suzuki is that they don't bring updates as rapidly as other teams, but mm. they do, when they do bring something, it usually works 
pretty well. They've so, got a very good testing system. Yeah, so I, and they also had the other two guys there doing the shakedown as well, and they had similar things to say that, that they're test riders. Um, but like to to hear the confidence, and the thing is that Suzuki we know isn't uh, wasn't miles off the pace last year. Like we 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 know that it just had a, a deficit on acceleration and um and in qualifying and and they've the two things that they've really worked on and made advances in is the um is the feeling in the front end and the um the top speed and acceleration so if they have actually um improved that um then we would definitely sorry in for a much better season from from suzuki uh which which is awesome for the sport the the thing that is going to surprise that that i really want to see this year and i I hope it's going to happen, but I don't know how much faith I have in it happening. Is I want to see Alex Rins put a full season together on that Ducati. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm crazy, but I think he is definitely the more, he's definitely the faster of the two riders between him and me. I don't know if he's got the the same tyre conservation that um, that Mir has. But he's definitely the faster right? He just can't stay on the bike. So if he has, if he has like the the pace um, to stay with the front riders, and he does, provided he stays upright, is he able to put a full season together so we can see what that package has um, with the more tenacious rider, as opposed to me, who's a little bit more um, calculated and methodical and seems to just you know not make mistakes. Well, the question is, is his pace because he's taking more risk? Like, mm. like, because he has more pace. But if it's because he's taking more risk, that is most probably why he's also binning the bike more. So it's for him, and this is a big year for Rins as well, because I think he's off contract in this year. But he needs to put a good season, because you can see if he puts a good season together, Suzuki will be probably a rather pretty happy to keep him, because mm. um, his his outright pace is is um has always been really good. So for him, it's sort of like sort of strapping on the big boy pants and going, all right, well, this is how as a team, like we need to afford, I need to finish some races because even though Suzuki's won the team's championship, they haven't, sorry, the riders championship, they, I don't, they didn't win the team's championship that year, mainly because he couldn't stay on the bike. Mm-hmm. So um, as if, if he has more front end feeling, which is what they're saying, and he's already shown in testing that he's probably one of the faster guys uh, in the grid, like it, it could be a massive year for Rins because I don't think anyone denies that realistically in in outright pace. He, I think he outqualifies um, me more than um, more than the other way around. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's a matter of him putting a full season together. Um, let's move on. So uh, this week was a pretty exciting week for the podcast as well. We, um, pulled together a little bit of money to sponsor a, uh, a karting event. So this week there was the City of Sydney titles that took place at Eastern Creek, um, two-day karting event um, where the organisers were able to put together the private um, Eastern Creek karting track and the public hire kart track into one two-kilometre circuit. That was, you know, really interesting. And we were, as a podcast able to get involved and get on board and and sponsor the senior performance category um, for the weekend so uh, just a cash prize for first second and third um, 
and we got a little bit of exposure from it as well, which is always good. But what an event it was. Um, I mean, obviously, I was there. Joe, you were there. You probably got to enjoy it a little bit more than I did just because you didn't have this, like, um, I don't know, I feel like as a racer, you kind of go do your race, go back to the cart, think about changes to make, and you don't actually get to watch um, as much of the event um, as a spectator would. But what did you make of the of the spectacle? Um, well, I always forget in between events how um, good the vibes are at, <laughs> at those events. And it's, a, it's probably a, a word that is thrown around too much, but just the overall friendly nature of most competitors um, at the event. And, and, and you do realise that m like most carts, it is a bit of a team effort getting them on the grid. Like there is quite a few people in the shadows, you know, prepping, prepping and such. Um, but the general, you know, feel is it's like everyone's just happy to be there. And it really was, it, it was great. It was, I don't know how many carts there were there. Can, do you have a wild guess? 210. Okay. Yeah. yeah so 200, 210 carts. So imagine 210 tents of people just running around trying to get stuff done. Um, and I was Probably only about going 500 to... spectators, I reckon as well on the Sunday. Yes. Spectators. Easily. There was then you could probably imagine another 210 crew as well as the drivers there working on carts at least um but yeah it was a, it was a, honestly a fantastic day and on sunday it was great because the it looked menacing that we we're going to get some rain at mm -hmm. a few times of the day but it, it held off and i think we got um, enough of it on saturday to be honest with you. yeah i was happy i wasn't there on the saturday to be honest and um yeah it was it was it was a really good day um I mean, we had a few little Hiccups. dramas during the day to keep us on our toes, especially on my from coming from two hours of sleep. I was probably hoping for it to be a little bit quieter. And I'll let you talk about how your day panned out. But yeah, like I, th I thought, um, all in all, I, I, had, I had a blast. I had a, honestly, I had a blast. It was a pretty eventful weekend. And I've probably you touched on it before, but it's very true that to get for one person to get a card out uh, and race. Uh, it's definitely not, or it can be a one man effort, but I don't think it's realistically plausible to do it. Well, um, you always need someone or at least a team with you to assist because, you know, you, you get there at six o'clock in the morning and by the time you leave at five o'clock in the afternoon, you, you kind of don't, haven't really had much time to even think. So, I mean, you and you and Luke being there one day each was, um, very, very useful. Uh, so I'll say thanks for that. But how did the week pan out? So Saturday, um, I was looking at the weather forecast for the whole week and I was kind of seeing if the weather would change so that it wasn't going to have a bit of a downpour on Saturday. And I didn't commit to buying wet really at all. All week, I'm like, nah, it's not going to happen. I'll be lucky. I'll get away with it. I'll get away with it. Then on Friday night, about nine o'clock, it looked like, you know, fate was going to have other stories. I thought I'm not going to race for two days and not have a set of wets and ruin my weekend. So I'm, I bought a set of wets at nine o'clock at night on the Friday and they were ready for me on, on race day, which was good. Um, and then it was, you know, just lightly sprinkling about six o'clock in the morning, but by race time or by track time, at least practice, we had two practice sessions on Saturday morning. Um, the track was pretty much bone dry. Uh, and that was, you know, really cool. 
Uh, so we're able to watch um, a few guys go out. Uh, my first practice session, the cart didn't feel great. Um, there was a bit of a jetting issue. So coming out of all the long sweeping corners, it was kind of bogging down and, and um, just like stalling out before it hit full speed. So it was pretty much a wasted session there. Um, about six seconds off the pace and just, just from, you know, acceleration issues. Um, and then practice two came around as well. The car, you know, slightly adjusted the jetting. It felt a little bit better, um, but there were still pretty similar issues uh, there as well. Um, so, and then also at the end of second practice, um, I came off. I just was pushing too hard and put it in, put it in the weeds on the on the higher track that had literally no grip. So um, it was pretty slippery. There's a lot of um, like resin on the higher track just from you know when there's potholes. They just like fill it with like a. It's definitely not a very sticky um, surface. So it was very um, difficult with the with the application of the throttle at some parts of that track. Uh, and then we went into qualifying. Um, in the blazing sunlight. So it was about, probably would have been about 26, 27 degrees when we were out on, on the, um, the setup grid waiting to go out. And then by the time we came around to do our second lap um, of qualifying, literally the clouds had just rolled over. It was black and it was pissing down rain. So I think everyone was just trying to get through the five minute session without coming off. And there were carts all over the place. Um, and I finished 31st out of 34th, which is not, not a great place to be. I felt stitched up because when I came in, the timing had said that I finished 11th out of 34. So I was peaking uh, and I sent a message to the boy saying, how great am I in the rain on slicks and was, you know, geeing myself up. And then I got to the grid and they said, no, nah, mate, you're 31st, not 11th. So that wasn't great. Um, and then on Saturday, we had one race as well. So we had the first um, heat race on Saturday um, and the same thing happened. So it was sunny literally from our qualifying session through all eight classes up to our race. Um, and then in the distance, it was getting really gray, but it was still probably a kilometer away and we thought we might get away with it. And then by the time we had got onto the in grid, I just felt one raindrop, you know, land on my arm because I already had my helmet on at that stage. Um, and sorry, my hand, cause my gloves weren't on. And I looked up at the sky, I said to Luke, I said, listen, we got to change to wets because it's going to come down. And then literally as we're changing to wets on the grid, um, it just started bucketing. And then obviously everyone changed to wets as well. And then the race was interesting. You know, it was just a survival of the fittest staying on without spinning and cuts were going off, off all over the places. I made about three moves going into the first corner and, and made a bit of position there. But um, after all was said and done, somehow I came out of that race in 12th. So 31st to 12th, a 19, a plus 19 um, position advantage. So that was pretty epic. Um, some great racing. And that was the Saturday, you know, pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah. And then the Sunday race one, we started from 24th. So they gave us an aggregate, Sorry, the second race, we started from 31st again and moved up from about 31st, I think, to 26th or 25th in a lap and a half. So six positions, pretty good. Um, and then going into a hairpin, um, just got cleaned out literally from the inside. 
the guy obviously, I don't know if he missed his braking mark or if his brakes failed or whatever it was, but I just remember turning into the corner and the next thing, my whole body was, you know, pushed to the side of my cart and I had someone else's cart on top of me. Um, and then it kept moving, obviously, and rolled and hit another cart there. So pretty dangerous, happened pretty quickly. Um, broke my seat because of all the weight that was transferred onto me and kind of ruined that race. So we didn't get any positions from that one because we were a DNF and then started the pre-final, uh, which is the race before the final from 26th. No, 21st. Then no. you lost positions on the outlap. Yes. started. Yeah, that's right. Started from 21st. Uh, and we actually, yeah, we did. We we're pretty happy with that, weren't we? How do you lose so, positions no. on an outlap? Because when story. I... So from finished 12th and then a DNFs and somehow we were 21st out of 34th for the pre-final. Pretty happy with that because I kind of thought if I'm 21st, I can move into the teens. And my goal from sat from like before the races was to try to get to 15th. That was my goal because it's obviously couldn't get to the people in front. Like they're all people that are racing every other weekend um, and they're quick. So that was, that wasn't really a realistic point, but I thought if I could be in the midfield for how, unregularly I race I thought I'd be pretty happy with that so 21st was was really good and then they gave the order to start the carts and all the carts took off and mine spluttered and turned off started up again same thing happened then I finally got her going and then she st she stopped on the outlap um, and yeah I thought the race was over managed to get her going and came back to 28th for the start so I was dropped from 21st to 28th uh, and took took the line at 28th for the start of the race. Um, and then we were able to go from 28th during the race to 24th. And that was a dry five lapper. And that was pretty good. Like I was pretty happy with that. I didn't expect to make massive inroads in the dry just because everyone's a lot more competitive and there's a lot less, you know, mistakes and line issues and things like that. Um, and then we yeah, obviously... We found out why that happened as well. Like your... your um, we well, called your... Uh, yeah. Engine mechanic on over during the um after the race and we told him what happened and um it was because well I left the left air, I left the rain cover on because I just wasn't sure if it was going to keep raining during the weekend so I thought I'd leave that on in case it rains when we're racing I'm not going to get all this water in my airbox um but it was affecting the amount of oxygen that I was sucking into the engine so at low um uh, you know in the idle yeah, state it just wasn't sucking yeah. enough in um so for the final, I just took it off. I said, let's just run the risk and try to get as much top speed as we could. Um, and then we went from 24th in the final, uh, about five laps in, we're at 19th, something like that. So we made a few spots and cut felt really good. I actually felt really good too with how I was racing and, um, you know, getting the most out of myself really. Um, but then in the second half of the race, it was just agony. Um, you know, just the pain on the ribs from, you know, being thrown around in the cart through a lot of really technical corners um, was, it was quite excruciating really. Like um, I was kind of screaming in my helmet just to psych myself up through some of it. Um, but then once you start losing control of your body and you want to turn in and you have to turn in with your cart and you just don't have the energy and you're just pushing away, the cart just starts tailing and you lose a lot of, mm. a lot of, a lot of time so went from 19th to 22nd and finished there um for the weekend but 
you know, all in all, um, it was a great weekend of racing and just the whole atmosphere of the event. Um, you know, it was just, it was great, great to see so many carts. We had a class of 34. There was another class that was full to the brim with 34 as well. Like seeing stuff like that, um, just shows why it's the greatest sport really. So yeah, that was the weekend. Bit long-winded. Sounds good, mate. Some, some great fun. Some great yeah, fun. We're going to try and put together a vlog with some footage that we recorded and um, Anthony telling, taking us through each, each race and showing you a bit of the repairs that were, <laughs> what we could check. Good. Like, I, was, I, was, I didn't think about it, but then when you started just filming stuff and that, at first I was a bit self-conscious that people would think like we're a bunch of larrikins, but then I thought, you know, this actually quite, probably could do some could probably do a half decent video of this so that will probably come out on on the pod socials in the hopefully the next week or so but knowing yeah, how I slow think... it takes joseph to churn out even a pod <laughs> video where all the templates are set up for him and there's no editing required there's always editing required come on not, not as much even... as making not as much as making a feature film joe <laughs> hey mate just 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 stop stop that stop yeah, the social all in hate. all it was great though. all in all it was great it was really good and hopefully as a pod we get to see some of the benefit of that advertising over the next couple of weeks so there's a bit of a strategy there we'll see how it plays out um otherwise it'll be a somewhat expensive bit of promotion but at this stage i guess any exposure is good exposure right that's it can't right. be bad it can't be bad so yeah where does that leave us ben um Lando, oh yeah, Lando's got a new contract. I think it's well deserved. He's probably a little bit like Alex Rins, though, in my mind. Probably has to put a whole season together. What do you think about that, H? Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think um, McLaren may have jumped the gun a little bit. He had what two years left on his contract. I think they just they signed him up to ward off other teams who may he may have been talking to. Um, but I think they've got the the most balanced driver pairing on the grid. Maybe you could argue Ferraris up there as well, but um, I think they're backing. They're backing his talent, and they're backing him probably yep. to come good. Yeah. One thing that but, you can never. Go yeah. Ahead, so I just think I'm, I'm with you, Anth. I think he needs to put a whole season together. He starts off amazingly and then tails off towards mm-hmm. the end. So I think um, hopefully we see see him put a whole year together. One Another, thing just, just behind car number three. There's one thing you never take for granted is how much, is how much, um, just giving putting some confidence in your driver actually sort of does for their mental state, and it's uh, one thing that always sort of rubs me up the wrong ways when they they say that they believe in a driver but they don't actually put like they're not showing it in terms of the contract that, that they're placing in front of him. And, 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 you know, like you could, you can tell that when a, when a driver's in the last or driver or rider, whatever is in the last year of their contact a contract, the pressure of, you know, performing can hinder them because it's just all that is in their mind. So now giving Lando, what is it, a five-year extension? What is it? A two, 27? Four year, I think. 26. Four year extension. It was two yeah, extra so years on the contract, wasn't it? Yeah. So, he's, yep. so, so now you know that no matter no matter you can he cannot you cannot blame anything on the fact that he's feeling insecure in the team because they've mm-hmm. taken that they've taken that part of it out for him so now it's everything performance related is between him and his mind and the car but in and the car sorry but 
in terms of you know worrying being anxious to perform for you know uh, his for the, his contract that that's that variable's been taken away so on McLaren's part that's really good um and hopefully you know he puts yeah, he does what you said puts, puts together a good season because he's definitely got the talent you know in in parts to, to um sort of show us what he's capable of hopefully he just pits when it starts raining you know that's um, that's, that's yeah. what he needs to do <laughs> if, uh, he was on a morning show in the uk and they asked him um what could what in what could you have done better over the last three years and he said mm. oh i think i've done pretty good and then the host said pit for wet tires and he just, <laughs> his face was just like wasn't my fault and it's like oh he's still going down that line but um yeah, listening to the two boys talk actually at the launch, it was interesting. Daniel seems quite confident with this car in the sim, mm. the the way it's handling, the way it's it's behaving. Lando doesn't seem as confident with the way it's driving. So he's driven one type of Formula One car. It'll be interesting to see how quickly he picks that up this year, and if he does struggle to adapt. They were talking well, about that sometime last year, or they're saying. Hmm. I can't remember where I read it. it. Might have been on motorsport.com, but they were saying that for the drivers that have that are a bit older and long in the tooth, that you would think are on their way out, Vettel, Alonso, um, or just a couple of names that they brought up. Even Ricardo, at this stage, is probably one of the more veteran drivers. Hmm. They were saying that the that their ability to drive the older cars um, hmm. and their just ability to to go from one. Um, formula essentially to a to a new formula within the series will give them a little bit of a of an initial advantage where some of these newer drivers um might struggle with that so i'll be interested to see if that quantifies itself early on in the season and then for those newer drivers that haven't experienced those changes in regulations and have kind of just driven one formula particularly a formula that has increased in performance not decreased uh, it might be interesting to see how long that assimilation takes. I think um, I read this morning, George Russell too, he's been saying the, the Merck needs huge improvements mm. um, to how it's behaving in the sim. And it's it's like, it does it, is that because he doesn't know how to handle this car? Or like, obviously we're not going to hear from Lewis, but you know, the it younger also, drivers are, are seem to be struggling a little bit in the it sim. Might, it might also be that, I mean, at this stage, everybody's, doing their mm. sim work and they yep. all think that because they're only basing it off of what they've driven previously right yep. so they might all think that they're struggling based on their previous cars but if everybody is struggling in isolation when we get to testing and racing they still all might be they just might be harder to drive that's the reality of it you know? yeah they might be harder to drive there's um there was people i was listening to something um last week and they were saying that with all the energy or with all the performance coming from underneath the car um, and mechanical, more mechanical grip as opposed to um, downforce from the top of the car. They were saying that it might even feel, I think it might've been Vettel that was saying that they feel a little bit more like a go-kart and they're, they're moving around a lot more and they can snap a lot easier. And it might, there might be a, you know, more nuance to the driving that's required. And we might see some of the more uh, technical, uh, you know, and gifted drivers be able to, you know, distance themselves from, from you know the mid pack, if that makes sense. Mazepin's going to be spun around the whole season by the sounds of it. <laughs> Dude, imagine he, if might, he might be a phenomenal car because it could be more of a GP two filling car. Who knows? I mean, there's definitely like 
more weight involved in the car as well. So that could be another reason why they're saying it feels different because it's a heavier car by by quite a, by quite substantially, is it not? Um, I mean, I, like, I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't take anything that they're saying about how it feels in the sim as you know as really anything of importance I think, until we I think, see some testing. I times. think everybody and is going to feel a, a drop. And, and it's going to be a matter of who can manage the the drop in performance better. Um, I mean, yeah. I see one thing that's actually in, that probably is really important is that no matter how the car handles in the first couple couple races, you probably your your aim should just be to finish the race because you would expect there to be quite a few um, you know teething problems and hiccups in the first couple races. I mean, I think was it the first race of the, of the turbo hybrid era? Uh, Magnussen got a podium with the McLaren, and that was like the best part of of, of their the season. Whole era. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess they had new engine engine regs as well, and that was still with the Mercedes. Yeah, so that was it, I mean, the year before they got to Honda, the year they started with Honda, Button didn't even get to the grid. One interesting thing that you were saying as well, Harry, about let. About Lando, so he's only driven for one team, and probably the car's only um, increased incrementally over his time there because it's always been an evolution, evolution, evolution. Yeah. Um. So it'd be interesting to see if, as Ant's saying, the, the drivers have driven different um, generations of Formula One car, but also in different teams, probably have the um, what's it called, like the um mind memory muscle of, memory of, yeah of transitioning between different styles like you'd maybe imagine someone like Carlos Saints who has been through <laughs> that many different cars in the last couple of years maybe might even adapt quick as well because he's had to just do it so many times so quickly so well, that definitely be interesting to Car- look out for Carlos and Danny Carlos Danny um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be definitely a very interesting start to the year when is testing point. starting by the way uh, I just had it here. It's end of this month. I think the 23rd. 28th or something. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, testing. There's two tests. There's one in, there's the one in Spain first in Barcelona. Yeah. And then you've got. Um, February. Uh, end of February. Bahrain. Yeah. So first, yeah, 23rd to the 25th in Spain and then 10th to the 12th in Bahrain. It's going to be good. By the time we speak again, we'll have all the liveries out so we can yep. rate the rest of them. And hopefully we'll have a bit more news as well. We might also have another um, short video to post on the socials. So we're trying to tee up a bit of a go-karting challenge in the next fortnight amongst the boys and maybe some esteemed guests as well, <laughs> just to increase the numbers. And if we can get enough GoPros and enough helmet mounts we might have a half a um half a chance to create a you know a little feature film for the for the socials so that's i'm ready to go boys i'm ready to go did you get a gopro as well h oh i had one yeah but i got it out the other day maybe you need to put maybe you should just put the mount on the most experienced driver and let him start at the back and just it's through the field. I'll yeet into you, mate. I won't, even, I won't let you. I won't let you pass. I won't let you pass. I think. That's I think that's right. probably a, a um a good place to end the pod tonight, boys. Some good conversation. Yep. Um, yep. a few more liveries coming out this week, and then hopefully by the time 
we have our next pod probably within the next fortnight just so there's some content to talk about Um, we'll have a few things to be able to throw out so gents thanks for your time again tonight Um, and again thanks for everyone for listening please um, keep sharing the pod um, with people that you think might be interested with it keep following us on socials like subscribe do all those things that you know everybody asks you to do Uh, and most importantly thanks for your time guys have a great night cheers thanks mate. thanks mate cheers buddy